Everybody, welcome to Down and Out, the sports and entertainment podcast, taking the world by storm. Dom Tibbetts alongside Evan Ryer, two what sports quote-unquote professionals, giving our best shot at the world of podcasting, but we like to have fun, keep things loose, and a lot to get to today. As always, shout out JD Masters and Buddha, Man in the Mirror, our intro-outro song. Go check them out. Show them some love this holiday season. SoundCloud, YouTube, anywhere you stream music, anywhere you stream our podcast like apple spotify google stitcher you name it you'll find our boys jd masters and buddha over there as well friends of the program friends of ours evan my goodness gracious pretty chalky week of the nfl we got some heisman talk we've got a little nba a little even mma i mean it's it's funny we we love football ev we do we, we are proclaimed big football guys and we love the fact that all of our episodes really the past few months have been chock full of football but it's always good when you get to sprinkle in a little bit of a uh, l- 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 little bit of diversity in the sports world and I- i'm excited for it yeah man i uh it's 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 been you know a very eventful football season it's not over right i mean we we still got uh plenty of nfl and and bowl games and college football playoff and everything else still to come but but at the same time you know it's uh it's it, it'll be nice to kind of open things back up. I've been kind of uh, neglecting the soccer side of my life, neglecting some of the the other sports in my life. Uh, and you know, all the kids deserve attention. You know, you can't pick a favorite. You gotta you gotta support all your children uh, equally, um, including. I mean, really, this the child I've been supporting the most even isn't a sports child. It's Succession, folks. If you haven't watched Succession, let me tell you. Uh, last night's season three finale. I know this is not the point of the podcast, but goddamn, <laughs> uh, please watch it and then come message me so that I can have someone to talk to about Succession because, uh, woof, woof. Uh, but but yeah, man, and uh, it's it like you said, it was kind of a chalky week in the NFL, but that's kind of nice almost. Like it's almost like that is like the chaos in a way because the past like. Five weeks, six weeks in the NFL, I feel like it's been nonstop. You know, here's, uh, you know, uh, a, p- a potential, you know, NSC, ASC championship contender uh, mm-hmm. dropping a game to, I don't know, the damn tight or damn Texans or something. You know, I mean, right. And then, so, and then here come the Lions winning their first game last week. And, and all right, of a sudden, you, so, just, you, you get a little bit of normalcy back. The, yeah. the, the, the stars aligned in the right way. Yeah. So that's, uh, that's, that's, that's nice in its own way. Um, you know, I mean, uh, I, I think the, the, you know, when you talk about not so chalky, uh, in terms of me and Dom's pick him, which he's got me beat 10 to two, uh, to nine to three right now. So we're both doing pretty good, but I believe we both had the Rams tomorrow night, Dom. Uh, no, I actually do have the Cardinals up. I have the Cardinals written okay, down. Okay, so so I could tie Dom up with a or uh, well tonight I said tomorrow, but uh, I could tie Dom up tonight with a uh, Rams victory. Um, but uh, right now he's got a game ahead on me for this week. 
But uh, a game that we both lost this week was uh, the Ravens and Browns. Yeah, Unbe- uh, unbelievable. I mean, uh, it's it's one thing to watch, you know, and I think we both kind of tab this as, okay, this is the game where we get the Ravens to kind of bounce back to the loss, come back, get a win. But I, you, and the Browns, man, they're that team where I don't think anybody would have given them a shot in hell. I know I certainly didn't. But Miles Garrett, huge. It was huge that Lamar went out, right? And I and I think from there it really just turned the tide. And the Browns pinned their ears back on defense. And I mean Miles Garrett getting the the, the forced fumble recovery for the touchdown, absolute game changer there. I you credit the Ravens for putting up. Uh, 16 in the second half and, and shutting out the Browns for, you know, making it a ball game. But, you know, it's uh, the Lamar thing hurt. But, I, yeah, I'm sitting here kind of kind of almost dumbfounded that the Browns have now taken down the Ravens. And that AFC North pitcher is looking a whole lot dicier. Oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, now the Ravens are down to a, uh, you know, one-game lead in the division. You've got, you know, a, we're going to talk about the Bengals' uh, loss to the 49ers here in a little bit, but, um, you know, that they're, they're one game back alongside the Browns. You know, it's kind of funny because it's it, it seems like the Ravens and Dom's Buffalo Bills, a couple other teams as well on the NFC side of things, you know, kind of jumped out to these like really impressive, uh, you know, standings and or you know, uh, records in the first half of the season, and then now everyone's kind of coming back to the center of the face a little bit, where you know it's like, mm-hmm. oh well, the Ravens look so good, they've been you know curb stomping all these teams, and then now they're one game up. You know, I mean they're they're one game up, and not only that, the Steelers are a game and a half back as well. I mean, a game and a half separates the leaders from this the bottom of that division right now, and that's I mean that is uh it's it you know imagining what 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 would have happened if the Steelers had actually beaten the Vikings on Thursday night this past week. I mean, you are uh, you're 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 looking at like what's going to be a very very enticing finish to the season uh, in the AFC North. Yeah, absolutely, and you know, not not for anything either. I mean, the like you said, we're gonna, we're gonna get to the Bengals here in a second. But if you had told me the Browns were gonna be the team that's kind of jumped into second about two weeks ago, and I I, I, I would have told you that I would never put money on those odds. And and like you said, it's just going to be exactly what we I think we expected out of the AFC North. But also remember too with the with the Ravens. This for me, I, I'm not. I'm I'm not I guess maybe surprised is or isn't the right word, but I'm just I'm not totally bought in on the fact that the Ravens were going to be this high and mighty team that could have ran through the AFC North because I've said it all year long they have played and won which is good but so many so many close games this year and unfortunately this is one where they couldn't find the recipe in the end to come back and finish off the comeback. But it, it, nonetheless, it has made for a very, very interesting AFC North. Uh, I didn't, I didn't see any update on Lamar's status. I know moving forward that is going to be detrimental if, if Lamar is or isn't going to be able to, to come back and play for them. Let me see what the the Ravens page is posting here. Um, listed. Listed as questionable right now with a right ankle injury. So, yep, right there. And you got to think if if Lamar can come back, you got to wonder if what, how limited, and what capacity he's going to be able to play with moving forward. And if he doesn't come back, then you know this this is the time where the Bengals, the Steelers, and the Browns all have to be like, hey, this is our chance. Like this is our chance to go take the division crown. So let's go get the fuck after it. 
Yeah, man. I mean, this is a – if that's a two- to three-week injury, you got to think, okay, uh, you know, this is – you know, if you're the Steelers, Browns, or Raven or uh, or uh, 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 Bengals, you got to think, okay, well, we need to we need to capitalize on this. It's interesting, though, because, you know, uh, Hundley came in for Lamar and did pretty damn good. Um, you know, I mean, of course, it didn't end up translating to a win, um, but – but I mean, he he didn't you know blow the game I guess for uh, for the Ravens. So no, but curious. but but I'm I'm going to equivalent a lot of Huntley's success there. I call it like it it I I think to me that is the fits that's the fits magic effect right where you get that opportunity to come in and you shine because you have no expectation, no none of this, and there's no the defense hasn't strategi- strategized and, and put their whole scheme around you. I think if if Huntley is named a starter, he's does just doesn't have the weapons to be the guy who's going to when a de- when a defensive coordinator and head coach for an opposite team is going to have to scheme against his ability I, I, I think that's where you're going to run into a lot of trouble. Whereas, obviously, with Lamar, it's, it's incredibly difficult because he can beat you in so many different ways. So, I, I, I don't disagree with the fact that, that Huntley came in there and got the job done and almost pulled off the comeback. That's what you would want out of your backup. But, I, I don't think Ravens fans should pin all their hopes that if Lamar's out, like, oh, we should feel good that Huntley's going to be our quarterback. Because I, I certainly wouldn't be. Oh, of course not. I'm not saying, you know, you... Uh... You know, you you feel like you haven't lost a step or anything, but you know, you think about some of the that it's happened this season. It happens every season where you know a backup quarterback has to step in for two games. Can he mm-hmm. get you through? Can or two or three games? Can can he go five hundred in those games? Right? Like, can he? Can you know? You go. Yeah, one, yeah, yeah. Damage, win. damage control, basically, at that point. Right? Under- can you say? Can you stay alive? And and the thing is, is that it's. You know, I, I want to be optimistic for them, but it's going to be tough. I mean, the Ravens' final four games is a slaughter. Um, they have to – they host the Packers on Sunday. Oh, boy. Uh, they, they travel to Cincinnati uh, the week after that, um, and then they host the Rams, and then they host the Steelers. The easiest game of that bunch is the Steelers, and that's not a lock even if Lamar is playing. Um, I mean, they lost to the Steelers earlier this – you know, just a couple weeks – or just last week. Um, and uh, – you know, I mean, that's gonna be it's gonna be quite the ask. I mean, of course, the Ravens have been really, really good at home this year. Only lost once, but at the same time, I mean, that's still going to be a uh, a tough tough ask of of Huntley if if he's the guy they have to roll with uh, against the Packers. And you know, meanwhile, it's Cincinnati gets the Broncos this week, which you know, obviously, the Broncos are seven and six too right now. I mean, there you have to throw some respect and you know but the Broncos also have the Chiefs and the Browns or the the Browns or the Bengals have the Chiefs and the Browns the rest of the way right whereas uh you know I mean the Browns also have to still play the Packers they still have to play the the Steelers and Raiders so I mean nobody in the AFC North like I think the AFC North winner might walk out of there with like a a nine and seven nine and seven or nine and eight record. Like well, and, and and I guess that's the beauty of the AFC North being you know within a game of each other. And I, I if you're a football fan, I mean just us and for everybody else who listens who loves football, there's nothing better than watching the AFC North beat the fuck up on each other. And that is going to be good football coming down the stretch there too to watch mano y mano square off and and try to find out who's going to go come out of that division. But I I agree I agree with that. Take. It might be a like a, a ten and a, a a ten and seven, maybe even a um a, a nine and eight record that maybe comes out of there. It, it's I, I mentioned. I think the I ten wins the, is what gets you there, but the schedule of all three other teams, which they were all difficult, right? And then finally to wrap up, the Steelers have 
Titans, Chiefs, Browns, Ravens. I mean, no one oh, is getting boy. out of this. No, every single, all of their non-division teams that they're playing the rest of the year, except for the exception of the Bengals with the Broncos, which, again, that's like a 7-6 team. Like, it is, I mean, it is going to be tough for any of these teams to get to 10 wins. I mean, it is going to be mm-hmm. a slog to try and pull that off. Props, and, and, props to the NFL schedule master for giving us that one at the end of the season. Yeah, they 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 really snapped on that one. Um, you know, I could see the Ravens beating the Packers this weekend. I genuinely think that could happen, uh, but but it would have to be a you know a knockdown dragout type of game. It's going to have to be ugly. Uh, but but yeah, man, it's uh it seems like things are actually just getting started in the AFC North, even though we only have four weeks to play, because um, it's uh it's wide the fuck open right now. Um, you know, we, we you know since we're on the topic of the AFC North, it's probably not a bad time to talk about the Bengals losing to the 49ers and kind of looking the other way because, you know, the Bengals needed to win that game. You know, I mean, it's an NFC opponent, so it's yep. not quite as important as a divisional or conference game. But at the same time, that's a team that you probably look at as we're either as good as this team or slightly better. Um, to lose a backbreaker in, in overtime like that, you know, the, it, credit to the Bengals for coming back. You know, I mean, they, they, they were down, you know, uh, uh, like 17 points at one point. But but still, man, I mean, that's uh, that one must have hurt in Cincinnati. Absolutely. It absolutely did. And because you got to be thinking now that as you watched, I, I think what's what killed them is that when you're watching late in that slate and you're watching Lamar Jackson go out for Baltimore and you're like, man, we could have been right there tied for the division lead once again. And, and maybe Zach Taylor's feeling a little bit better about the coaching job that he's been doing so far. But it, it, it's a deflating loss. And really, I, I give credit to the Niners because they've strung it together. And I, I don't really think the Niners are playing for much anymore this season other than probably just trying to get into the wild card at you, I, I guess. Because there's no way that they can probably come back and get the division lead. But nonetheless, yeah, it's 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 a time where I think the Bengals are exactly going to look back on it and going to have a little bit of regret, kind of like how I think the Bills look back on like the Jaguars' loss. Like, losses that you shouldn't have had, losses that shouldn't have been even that close, games that shouldn't have been that close, and now they're sitting there in the middle of the pack with, as you said, an absolute grueling schedule left. So it's a tough look there, and I know we talked about it before the show, Ev, but you're not overall impressed with Zach Taylor and and, and what he's been able to do there, and I'm curious to have you kind of break that down a little bit more for the listeners. Well, okay, so Zach Taylor, right, and this is this is a lot of what I'm saying is at least from, you know, what I've taken in is what I'm seeing on, you know, from Bengals Twitter, from from, you know, people who who follow uh, that team closely. You know, you got to you got to you can't like fire him right now. Like you can't really, you know, say if let's say the Bengals make the playoffs, you can't fire him. Right. And Mm -hmm. I'm not saying they should per se. But so, you know, two and 14 in 2019 with the Bengals team, that was awful. You know, everyone knew they were bad. It was like whatever. Four eleven and one in 2020. You know, Burrow gets hurt. It's kind of like okay. You know, I understand. But that Bengals team last year kind of had a bit more talent than people were kind of, I think, giving them credit for. They didn't have Jamar Chase yet, but that I mean, they had T Higgins. They had you know a lot of guys on that defense. And then now we're we're in year three, and he's seven and six. But 
the 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 kind of issue that I take with Zach Taylor's season so far is not like seven and six, it's not that like oh seven and six just isn't good enough, but it's it's kind of like who they're losing to in the way that they're losing to teams. Um, if I may, Dom, I'm gonna pull up the uh uh, uh Bengals um uh schedule just to make sure I don't get any of this wrong. You know, okay, so they they. You know, they have some, uh, you know, they have a, a win over the Ravens, that 41-17 beatdown, right? And, yeah, I remember and that. that. was a beautiful, like, beautiful yeah, victory. And, and you were like, okay, okay, like this team, that put them at, at that point in time, that put them at 5-2. and two. Yep. You were like, okay, this, this team is kind of legit, right? And then they proceed to lose to the Jets. And then they proceed to get absolutely, like, outplayed by uh, the Browns. They go and beat down the Raiders and Steelers, but then, you know, they lose to the Chargers, who were a team that was kind of coming in slow, and then, you know, the 49ers, another team they kind of need to beat. I guess my point being is that we're getting, you know, these past two weeks, the past four weeks have been kind of must-win games, so to speak. You know, if you, you know, they dropped to 5-3 and three after, uh, you know, or, or excuse me, they dropped to 5-4 uh, and four after the losses to the Jets and the Browns, mm-hmm. and they bounced back with the Raiders and Steelers, which... You know, again, you know, that's cre- – I'm trying to give credit where credit's due. But back-to-back losses, they now play a kind of tricky Broncos team. They're in prime position. They control their destiny. If they beat the Ravens – they have the Ravens and the Browns on the schedule. They beat If they win those games, even if they lose to the Chiefs, you know, they're – Yeah, they're, you're, you're feeling good about yourself, absolutely. 10-7 and seven gets you in. 10-7, and seven, you might not win the AFC North. Who knows? Maybe you don't. But I would bet that if you beat the Ravens and the Browns in the final uh, weeks of the season, then you're probably winning the AFC North. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm there with you. I, I, I think, but the problem with, for me, Cincinnati, is just it, it's, it's so inconsistent. It, it, and it, and that's what if, I'm saying. And like, if you're, and if you're going to be a legitimate, serious playoff team, you've got to be able to figure that out. So I, I don't know. And, and yeah, I, I guess Zach Taylor is a guy you could pin, pin that on because you know that Cincinnati, as you can tell from when you thrump the Steelers, forty-one to ten, you thrump the Raiders, thirty-two thirteen, you beat the Ravens healthy when the. And if you remember that game, Evan Week seven after following up after the Lions the Ravens were fucking hot when they and they went to Baltimore and fucking thrashed the Ravens and the Ravens were a hot team back then so you know it's there but that inconsistency is not what it, that's not what playoff teams are made of so that 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 in itself is a cause for concern you have win-win loss loss win-win loss loss yeah, I mean, that's the thing is that my criticism of Zach Taylor is not like a, oh, God, this guy's ruining a good team. Like, obviously, they're 7-6. and six, But I genuinely feel like, I mean, this is a team that is 7-6 and six and lost to the Bears and the Jets this season. I mean, this is, you know, in, in my eyes, this is a team that, you know, probably should be looking at 9-4, and four, maybe even 10-3. and three. I mean, they, you know, you lose a close game to the Packers, you know, what could have been. It's hard to, and with the 49ers as well, it's hard to necessarily blame Zach Taylor completely yeah. uh, for losing close games. But, but at the same time, I mean, you, you, you do got to wonder, you know, are the Bengals hitting the ceiling of their talent right now? Because they are hitting what is probably for the first time in, you know, a decade and a half kind of a a like okay the next like three years are years that we need to be looking at as like nfl contenders yeah you know we need to be winning now it's it's that time um and and i don't know if zach taylor's the guy that you get to do that with um 
you know, uh, I, but, but, you know, who's to say I, uh, a lot of people didn't say, say that they thought, you know, a lot of people said that Doug Marone was wasting the Jaguars. And if anything, I felt like, you know, in retrospect, Doug Marone is, is looking quite, uh, <laughs> he's quite, quite intelligent, right? Like now, good. But, yeah. I, I, with, uh, if, if I may, with the Bengals, just one, my kind of last point here is the fact that you, you have to understand that the Niners had that rough stretch in the middle part of their season, but they've stored it sort of started to click it on and I want to take that back the 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 Niners if the playoffs ended today would be the sixth sixth spot in the NFC so they would get into the wild card so they are very much playing for something so I do take that back I they are playing for a wild card not the division uh, lead at this point in the season but good for them this is the Niners and Chargers these last two losses aren't bad losses. Those are I think those are quality football teams where you're kind of thinking to yourself, damn, like, yeah, put up a little bit of a better showing against the Chargers, but if I'm a Bengals fan, it is what it is. Now, and we're going to talk about this with the Bills, Evan, but I go back to week two. The Bengals have a bad road loss to the Bears and that bad loss to the Jets. That is what is going to be able to something where you look back on and you have that that Broncos, Ravens, Chiefs, Browns slate. And at best, if the Bengals go two and two or one and three there, then you're going to look back at those the Jets Bears game and go, yeah, that's on us. You know, at the end of the day, the Bengals will have nobody to blame but themselves. And without that four game stretch, you like you said, Evan, the Bengals have one, no one to blame but themselves. But two, in the reverse kind of opposite of that, they have all control to come back and, and take the AFC North. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's uh, it's it. Like I said, I mean, the criticism is not. Um, if if if, yeah. Zach, if Zach Taylor can get his guys to go four and zero here, then yeah, no, he 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 may he may have just locked up a, a nice little fat extension. Well, that that I mean, that's a totally fair point. And also, if they built that kind of momentum going into the playoffs, I mean, I wouldn't want to be a team that has to look at you know Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, T Higgins on the other side and think, all right. You know, let's defend that. Not to um, mention Joe Joe Mixon's over a thousand yards already this year too. Yeah, and you know, Joe so. Mixon, of course. I mean, yeah, he's he's. It's funny that Joe Mixon, after being kind of like the bright spot in the darkness, is now almost like uh, 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 just a, a piece of like the puzzle mm-hmm. for uh, for the Bengals and and of you know, an important piece. But you're absolutely correct in the fact. I mean, it's Jamar. It, it, it's Jamar and Joe's world, and we're just living in it in Cincinnati. You know. For sure. Um, and then, you know, on the other side of the spectrum, you know, kind of looking to the 49ers, which I guess I can go ahead and say that I uh, this is uh, my last week at Outsider.com. Um, I'm, uh, I, I put in my two weeks notice, uh, a co- uh, you know, a week or so back, and I'm going uh, to – uh, back to my uh, old job to cover the 49ers for heavy. I'm, I'm excited to uh, to do that. So, you know, good time to talk about it. But but the 49ers are kind of in prime spot to, to you know, walk to a wild card. Now, it could be a very heartbreaking uh, uh, finish, but they go Falcons, Titans, Texans, Rams to wrap up the season. I mean, ideally, you know, I, th- I think I think you go two and two, and you're okay there. I think you win the two I, obvious games, and I think you're okay there if you're the if you're the Forty Nine ers. I think two and two probably gets you to uh, probably gets you that wild card spot. But I mean, three and one is not out of the realm of possibility, and that's not even to say uh, that's not even to say like oh the loss is coming against the Rams. Like they whooped the Rams like the the last time they saw each other. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, you know, I mean, 
it's uh it's it's nuts because like the race for the NFC wildcard spots are like it's like okay so you could I I feel I think we I mean who knows the Rams could lose tonight and you know they're only one game up on the 49ers and they're only two games up on the on the final spot but mm-hmm. you've got you know I mean you've got five teams at 6 and 7 that are all qualified for that seventh spot um, in the uh, in the wild card race in the NFC, I mean it is insane right now. Uh, meanwhile, the 49ers are you know like they're they're right there, but but they're also one in four in their own division. Their only division when the season came in that wallop of the Rams earlier this season. I mean they only have to play the Rams for the rest of the way. They've been money against out of uh, division opponents. So uh, you know I mean. You, you kind of like them against the Falcons at home. That Titans game on the road on a Thursday night is going to be tough, but not undoable. And then no. the Texans at home is one that you think, you know, you, you, you take care of business there. So I actually like think if I, if, I, if I had to pick them to go 3-1, and one, I actually think I, I, ha- I have a harder time believing that you beat the Rams twice. I do think they could beat the Titans on the road. If I see them three and one, I see them beating the Titans, losing to the Rams. But either way, yeah, I I, th- I think the the Niners have done enough and are in, in the NFC where you're looking at the football team, the Vikings, the Eagles. Oh my God, bro, the that's the, the Saints. Oh my, I actually just I actually almost just shit my pants because I was like, oh, okay, the football team and the Vikings. But you have even like the Panthers and the Seahawks who yeah, are still I mean, there. If the Panthers or Seahawks win out, they go. I mean, it's nuts. That's uh, un- it's a- un- I'm so I love football, but that's I, I mean, it's wild though. So like the the Niners have done enough where if they can, I think they go two and two, three and one, they're fine. The the Niners will make the playoff. It'll be tough. I mean, they're gonna they'll match up against the Bucks or the Packers probably. And guess those aren't two teams I want to play in the playoffs. But you know, that's you got there. So congratulations, 49er fans. Yeah, I uh, say what you want about the seventh uh, wild card spot. You know, the 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 additional uh, spot in the playoffs starting you know in the past couple of years, but but man, it uh, it is making you know they may be bad teams getting into the uh, into the playoffs, but this kind of feels like a year where middle of the road records doesn't doesn't I mean it's not quite as like oh this seems not very good because everyone's been getting beat. Like everyone gets beat, so you know we get into to January, and I feel like one of these, you know, you know these teams are going to finish nine and seven in, or, or right. nine and you know whatever, or or nine and eight are going to be like, you know, they're they're going to be dangerous. Like you're not going to want to like if there's a team that comes in at nine and eight and they won their last four games to do that, like let's say the Seahawks pull that off, I am not stoked about playing the Seahawks. I am not stoked about playing, you know, the Bengals or somebody like, you know, right. if, if, if they, if a team's coming in hot, even if their records like not impressive. Yeah, dude, I, I don't want to smoke. So, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's exciting times. And, you know, um, technically, uh, Dom, uh, you know, your, 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 your Buffalo bills are still alive. Things are, you know, there's uh there's there's not it's not all hope is dead but Don, no. I can't imagine you're feeling um great. No, I'm uh, I'm, I'm not. Uh there was uh there's another just deflating loss. Uh the second half of that game uh, against the Bucks yesterday is exactly what Bills fans and the and the people who are high on the Bills being, you know, who are, who I guess probably were high on the Bills because there's not a lot of people outside of Bills Mafia who are high on the Bills making another Super Bowl run. But that second half performance from Josh Allen is exactly the best analogy I heard is this might not be the team that wins the Buffalo Bills a Super Bowl, 
but God damn it, they found their quarterback that's going to win them it. Because that was a ballsy, gutsy performance from Josh DeClaw way back in there. The defense figured it out late, but they got it in the second half and gave us a chance to win there. I... I I'm not a big blame the ref guy because that loss does not, at the end of the day, does not come down to the refs. It comes down to the fact that we let up over 300 yards, almost 300 plus yards in the first half to to the the Buccaneers' offense. So, and we dug ourselves in too big of a hole. And Tremaine Edmonds getting burned in in overtime was just you know an awful way, an awful way to end it. But I will say though, while I'm not going to blame the refs. It's all on Buffalo for that loss. Those, that pass interference call on Mike Evans on third down was absolute mother-fucking bullshit. Mike Evans and Levi Wallace were separated by at least a foot. Yes, Levi did not turn around until the very, very last second when the ball was basically at his helmet, which would pose a P.I., but they were already separated until Mike Evans pulled Levi into him. As Tony Romo said on the broadcast, that should not have even been a call. It should have been a no call or uh, it's an offensive pass interference. Then you're going to not give Stephon Diggs the P.I. with with a cornerback draped all over his jersey in the end zone late in the fourth quarter. Yeah, it, it, a lot of inconsistency. And that's just what the Bills get, though. Ev. That, that is exactly what the Bills get for letting the game be decided by referees. Because you couldn't get it done in the end. It, it's great that the rest of the AFC, like the, the Ravens losing and everything's tight in the AFC North. The great thing is that there's so much chaos in the AFC that the Bills are you know, very much alive in the playoff race. And I, I, I'll tell you, Ab, I do feel very good. I feel very good that the Bills maybe have pieces together because you have the Panthers at home next week. You have to go on the road to the Patriots for the for that showdown uh, the day after Christmas. So obviously there's challenges there, but you're home against the Falcons and home against the Jets. Ideally, the Bills go three and one there, and I think they're fine. Ten and six get you in the playoffs for sure. Uh, it, or yeah, I'm sorry, uh, nine and seven. Nine and seven get ten, you. Or no, no, what ten is, and seven, t- ten, ten and seven. seven. Thank you. This now ideally, this ideally, game, man. ideally could be eleven and six because I do believe that the the Bills. The Bills have it could very well beat the Patriots if they can force Mac Jones to have to be the one that beats you. If Mac Jones goes out and beats the Bills in two weeks from now, then so be it. The Patriots are deserving of it and whatever. Let that be. But I want to see Mac Jones beat the Bills, not the not the weather and not the running back. So am I am I pressing the panic button? I'm not, but I'm very, very disheartened because this is obviously just the year we've talked about so much over and over where the Bills had realistic Super Bowl expectations for the first time in, since I've ever been alive. And then we're sitting here struggling and vying for a playoff spot. It sucks. And it's it was a great fight at the end there. But there's just... This team is just not poised, and they're not, and they and they don't seem to be playing like a team that has the capability of being able to, you know, compete for a Super Bowl. Because let let's let's look at let's take another deep dive analysis at the Buffalo Bills' losses this year, not counting the Jaguars and the Steelers, which, as I mentioned with the Bengals earlier, those are two games the Bills are going to wish they had back, were the Jags and Steelers losses. But Evan, the Bills have also lost the Titans, the Colts. The Pates, the uh, pa- Pates, the Pats, and the Buccaneers. Evan, those four teams. What about them is all similar? The Titans, the Colts, Patriots, Buccaneers. What about them is the same? Um, 
they are NFL football teams. That, that is true. They're all also playoff teams right now, Evan. And guess who the Bills have not done good against? The Bills have one win against a playoff team currently in the two playoff wins because the football team technically is in the playoffs, as are the Chiefs. Their other victories this season have, are not against playoff teams. So I'm very concerned there. That That's a little concerning, but the Bills have not beaten anybody of substance really this season. So that doesn't really that doesn't really make you feel confident heading in heading into their shot for the playoffs. It's not time to press the panic button. They can still go out and go win four games. Josh Allen's health is actually something to be is something that we all need to keep our our eyes on because he walked out of the game last night in a walking boot into his lower left leg. Um, it's it's reportedly a mild case of turf toe because uh, I I did see where they were taping up his toe, so it could be something that he plays through. But if, God forbid, it's not, Evan, do you know who will be taking snaps for the Buffalo Bills in that game against the Panthers on Sunday? Uh, that would be... Uh, Mitchell Mother Effin Trubisky. Trubisky. Damn it. I tried to, I'm just trying to think. I was like, which backup quarterback is there? Yeah. Oh, so, it's just... It, it, it's, it, it's just... I, I felt so good in that second half, man. I really felt like the Bills were going to do it. But... You can't. I want. I, that's why I want them just to win it in regulation, man. Because you, you can't. Tom Brady in overtime. You can't give him the ball. And the Bills got the ball first, and they went three and out in overtime. You you can't. You can't give Tom Brady the ball in overtime. You can't. You can't get into his hands. You can't even let it get there because Tom Brady's going to beat you nine out of ten times, and that's what they do. So that's kind of that's kind of my my rambling rant on the Bills. I'm not pressing the panic button, but it sucks. It sucks that we're seven and six. Second, the AFC East, still very much in control uh, of our playoff hopes if we can win out and go three and one. But obviously, it's going to take a lot. It's going to take an epic collapse by the Patriots for the Bills to have any shot at getting the division crown. So it sucks, but it it, it is what it is. Uh, and and, and um, yeah, it's a tough 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 morning. Tough morning for Bills fans out there. Well, you know, I it's it's uh, we we've as as Dom and I have shown in the past like ten minutes, fifteen minutes, we're very much a schedule pod right now. Um, we're we're all about who you still have to, left to play, and and that's a very uh, great way to 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 you know I I hadn't even really considered the fact that the Bills hadn't beaten a playoff contending team. Um, uh, but but you know it's there's a lot of those losses were against the playoff contending teams like the Colts or well the Colts was a beat down but you lose to the Pats tight you lose to the Buccaneers tight I mean you know it's one thing tight, just the getting, Titans tight yeah and a Titans team that is missing a lot more than what they they had when they played you the first time you know I mean it's 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 a it, it, there is reason for concern no question but at the same time you know. The Bills can still get over the hump. You beat the Patriots in New England uh, the day after Christmas, and shit is fine. You know, I mean, I would probably, as a Bills fan, be like, okay, whatever. Whatever happened in the first, you know, 14 games of the season, you know, whatever happens in the regular season, it doesn't matter. Let's just dance, and let's just mm-hmm. see. see. Well, and the, and the thing is, I love, I do love the fact now that the Bills get to play the underdog role. Because one thing the Bills love to play as is the underdog role, and that's why they did so good in 2020. For some reason, the Bills, when they're just expected to be good, cannot, they just hate living up to it. So I do like the fact now, to your point, that the Bills are underdogs. That was kind of my last thing I meant to say, too, is I do love when Buffalo gets to play a little bit bit of a chip on their shoulder yeah i mean that's and that's the thing is that 
Buffalo should be playing. Like, it's hard. After back-to-back losses, close losses like that, that's hard to respond to. But like you were saying, Dom, the fight in that team is uh, still very apparent. So go take care of business against the Panthers at home. You know, get you know, make that a get-right game. Don't fuck around. And, you know, you, you, you can enter, uh, you know, the day after Christmas kind of with, with uh, you know, kind of some, okay, let's, let's go uh, – uh, pay them back for that night in Buffalo, and then and 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 then you know Falcons and Jets, you know take care of business and and you're fine. So um, we'll see. You know, I mean the Bills definitely have to kind of prove it at this point, but at the same time, I mean that's what's kind of nuts is that it's not like the Bills ever really fell off a cliff this season. They've just dropped some games that so you're just like, yeah. oh, shit. Like you're just like how. But hey, to to your point that you did say earlier, Ev. Because there, there are teams like you said, like Seattle, a team who could maybe win out and get into a wild card spot. And you're like, man, I wouldn't want to play them. I'll tell you what, guys. I'll tell you what, football fans out there. The Buffalo Bills rattle off four straight wins heading into the playoffs and snag up that, you know, six, uh, that six or five spot. I wouldn't want to play them. I would not want to play a Buffalo Bills who's fucking, who's found it, who's founding, finally clicked at the right time. And that's all it comes down to. If you click at the right time, I just need the Bills to make the playoffs. The home field advantage probably is done by now, so it is it is what it is. But I'll tell you what, though. They'll, they'll be a fun, dangerous team to watch if, if they figure this shit out. Yeah, I, they, they, I mean, again, they are, at least in my eyes, I mean, Offensively, they're as dangerous dangerous as anybody out there, and that defense is obviously, you know, very good too. They've, you know, and but I, I mean, if you go look at, uh, I get, you know, I, I think if you go look at like any good defense in the NFL, though, there's there's stretches where it just doesn't it doesn't pop, you know. I mean, it yeah. just doesn't happen. And when you're playing an offense like the Buccaneers, I mean, you kind of have to throw your hands up sometimes and just say, yeah, okay, you know. And the, and the problem was too is but, that the, the Bucks defense also is let let's give the Bucks defense credit; they're very good. This is the team that literally dismantled the Chiefs in the Super Bowl last year. Josh Allen was under pressure all game long last night; like it was just uncomfortably, uncomfortably awful to watch how shredded up our offensive line was being. The Bills shouldn't have to play against another defensive line that brings that much firepower for the rest of the season. So that makes me feel good in of itself. But the definitely there, 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 there are things that I'm still looking at. Like I, I don't know how they win a Super Bowl with some of the pieces they have, but you know they'll they'll they'll, they'll give it their 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 dang gum best. They'll, they will try. They they will definitely T R Y try, Evan. That's for sure. A team that won't fucking try is the Jacksonville Jaguars. We don't have a lot of time before we need to go to the break, but I will uh, wrap it up real quick by addressing the Urban Meyer report that came out on Sunday or Saturday that said that, you know, uh, Urban, you know, is extremely, like, condescending to his coaching staff, like, asked them to explain their resumes of, like, when they've mm-hmm. ever been a winner, um, you know, a coaching staff that he, <laughs> coaching staff that he hired. I can't, um, be- I can't believe it, dog. That's a real making, story, too. Oh, my making, goodness. Making Marvin Jones walk out of practice. Um, it's, I mean, there's nothing. The thing is, is that I don't really have a lot to say at this point, folks. I mean, it is... It has been said time and time again over the past, like, 10 weeks that this dude just fucking sucks. And, uh, you know, the, the, the Jaguars didn't get scammed. The Jaguars are just incompetent. Like, there are people that are like, oh, wow, Urban Meyer's running a scam. No, no. Um, the Jaguars were just like, hey, so there's, like, 15 red flags that this guy is, like, wearing as, like, a, 
like a bathing suit right now. Maybe, you know, we don't hire this guy. And they said, no, we want to go for, you know, the, the, the glitzy blockbuster looking hire. And you know what? They got it. It has been an eventful season. The Jaguars have been in the news week after week uh, for all the wrong reasons. And, I think I think blockbuster uh, is underselling how, how, how just exciting it has been as an outside perspective to watch what's happening in Jacksonville. I mean, it is, uh, it is really, really impressive stuff to uh to you know to just watch this implode like it has i'm somewhat surprised he's still the head coach i was singing after that report and then a 20-0 shutout loss to the uh to the titans that you know that would probably do it um but not yet so uh hopefully we don't see this fucker uh next year is kind of where i'm at at this point um i i think he probably tries to see out the season and then hopefully quits um, you know, it's, it's just, he's not a pro f- professional football head coach. He might be a college football head coach and, you know, the shit he does might work in college, but it is so clear that this is not where urban needs to be. Um, and, uh, and yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's really all I got to say. Yeah, well, it's like I told you a few weeks back, uh, that's on you guys for beating the bills. Cause you probably got him to finish out the season because of that win. So, um, you know, that's on you again. Like, yeah, I don't feel bad for you guys. But, yeah, if I got to – I think he finishes off this season. But if the cons don't get rid of him and and the management team at Jacksonville does not let him go or he doesn't just quit on his own after this season, uh, I don't think you'll have anybody report to training camp next summer. (laughs) Like, honestly, like I, I think there will be a massive holdout in Jacksonville. Yeah, I mean, I, I, it's it's hard to imagine, um, you know, a scenario where I mean, that's the thing is that it's just like cancer at this point. Like, it's just such like, it is poisoned so bad that I can't imagine anyone wanting to work for this guy, anyone wanting to play for this guy, and and that's uh, not to not to mention it too. But obviously, a head coach, your number one priority is you never make anything about yourself, and that's all Urban has done. Like, and that's that's where I do feel your frustration. I feel frustration for Jags fans because while it's fun to watch, I do understand, and I have a soft spot for the Jags. You like Urban has made everything this year about about himself, and I'm looking at a guy where you have the number one overall draft pick, and I still think at his core a very talented Trevor Lawrence, but he's just getting absolutely you know wrapped. As Nick Saban would say, his rat poison is just seeping in because his head coach is, is unable to figure out himself, and all that shit is spilling into the way that they're running the offense. I mean, four, it was a great day to have the Titans defense on my fantasy team, Ev, but, you know, four interceptions for Trevor Lawrence, obviously yeah. not a good and, day. I mean, and the thing is that Trevor hasn't had a great season, and I mean, you can say, like, I, I do think that you have to put some of, like, the blame. Like, not the blame of, like, the season's quality on Trevor. Like, if, if they were, like, a middle-of-the-road middle, middle of the road team and Trevor was throwing four picks in a game, you have to go, like, oh, shit, Trevor's kind of, like, sucking and that's why the Jaguars aren't good. Like, no, this entire team is fucking bad. Like, it's very bad. Yeah, and- it's just, like, you can't, you can't expect anybody, even if someone of Trevor Lawrence's caliber, to come in and try to thrive in this atmosphere. Absolutely not. I, 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 would, ne- I would never pin this on Trevor, so I, I'm, I'm with you there. I think without question, without question, uh, the one in fifteen Jaguars of last year would beat the the current Jaguars team, no doubt, no doubt in my mind right now. 
And that's not because of, like, talent or whatever. I just truly think that, like, even at 1-15, that team had, like, even at, like, 1-13 at that point in the season, that team seemed to have more heart. They were dropping games, like, it's seemingly on purpose, right? Mm-hmm. But, but truly, I felt like they were playing harder than than watching this team right now. So, um, it's uh, it's been a nightmare. Um, and, you know, that's kind of the Jaguars' existence in a lot of ways. Um, but... But uh, hopefully, you know, we uh, we can hitch ourselves to more false hope, you know, when Urban Meyer gets fired and, I don't know, fucking Dabble gets hired away from the Bills or something. <laughs> um, so, Dom, let's yeah, go. Maybe. Let's if I'm, if I'm going to continue to waste all my money on Jaguar season tickets, uh, I need to make money to do that. So let's go to the cash grab and, uh, and, and take a deposit out. Yeah, sounds good. When we come back, folks, from the cash grab, we've got some college football, a little Heisman talk. We've got some NBA and a little MMA. It was a jam-packed weekend. We'll wrap it all up right after this. Stay with us. Down and out. We'll return. Hey guys, Dom here. I want to tell y'all about Anchor.fm. Yes, Anchor.fm. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. First off, it's free and there's tons of creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Don't know how to get your final product on all the major streaming platforms? Have no fear. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on places like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started and tell them Down and Out sent you. All right, let's get back to the show. Welcome back. Thanks for sticking with us. Second half of Down and Out starts right now, and we begin with college football. Bryce Young, your 2021 Heisman winner. Could have seen it coming from a mile away. After that SEC championship performance against Georgia, it pretty much wrapped it up. Evan, our resident in-house Alabama fan, I think all of the college football world was, was pretty happy with that pick. I think it was the clear favorite and uh, Bryce Young deservingly wins the Heisman. And I believe, and I'd have to go back and look at the re- uh, but Nick Saban set a record for the amount of Heisman winners he's had at, at, in a college coaching career, something of that nature. Either way, big night for Bryce, big night for Saban in Alabama, and very, very much deserving of, of the award. Yeah, man. I mean, I it, don't get it twisted. I think Kenny Pickett's a great player. I think, you know, there's uh, there's definitely some guys that were deserving of consideration. But what Bryce Young has done this year, I mean, Alabama is, a to me, probably a three- or four-loss team uh, with a, you know, no no disrespect to Matt Corral, to Kenny Pickett. But with those guys, I think they're a three- or four-loss team. Mm-hmm. Um, and those are great players. But Bryce Young is just a... He's a uh, a force of nature. I mean, he he's kind of weird, like in a way where he, he he's almost like he he doesn't look like the most athletic guy. He doesn't look like I mean, he's obviously athletic, but but I mean, he doesn't even have crazy speed. This guy doesn't run out of the pocket. He doesn't want to, even though he kind of looks like a guy that you would think like okay, well maybe this guy will try and scramble a lot. Mm-hmm. He fucking hates scrambling, man, and and it's his biggest weakness is that he just doesn't get out of the pocket and just. But every single time he goes in his mind, he thinks I'm going to throw the best pass anyone has seen this season and a lot of times man he doesn't miss um 
you know, I don't know if he wins it without uh, his performance in the Iron Bowl late. I don't know. I, I mean, I think he kind of wrapped it up with that. I yeah. think Georgia was more of an afterthought, but Georgia was just kind of the exclamation point on his campaign of like, I am that dude. And I do deserve this, and and uh, yeah, it's special. I mean, it's 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 wild too because I remember growing up as a kid, you know, as an Alabama fan, you know, in the era that I grew up in, the early two thousands, you know, where it had been a decade plus since you know the last national title, and and Alabama had gone through some NCAA violations and stuff in the early two thousands and stuff. You know, it was like. One, winning a national title felt like a distant thing. And then two, Alabama had never won a Heisman Trophy until Mark Ingram in 2009. To now have like four yes, uh, in Mark, the past, like Mark Ingram, Derrick Henry, Devonta Smith, just uh, and then Bryce. That's uh, Bryce. Am I missing? Or are we missing I mean, anybody? No, I think it, that's, that's it. it. Yeah. I mean that is uh that that is kind of nuts. I mean that's that's kind of what the Saban it goes hand in hand with Saban, right? Like if you have the best team and the best recruits, you're gonna have the best players, right? So it, it kind of makes sense. But uh to to finally have a QB as the uh, Heisman winner is uh is a is a pretty special thing. I mean you know these are you know there are names like Tua and and Jalen Hurts, these guys that have come out that are you know, as good as, you know, any quarterback as Alabama has ever had, Bryce Young has, has stood above them. And, um, yeah, man, it's, uh, it's, it's it's nice. And it's crazy to me. No, it's just crazy to me that, you know, Bryce, obviously I think was, as I said, the deserving winner, but the two other quarterbacks in this race have been finished third and fourth in the voting. Pickett was third, Stroud was fourth. I mean, Bryce's biggest competition was, which is, I think it's awesome to see was Aiden Hutchinson, the, the, which is awesome. Even though that makes no damn sense. Um, it doesn't, but I love it though. I fucking love it because it's just, it's something new, I guess. It's it's it, I'm glad that Aiden didn't win, but it is nice to see that like, hey, you know, shout out to a defensive lineman for finishing second in the Heisman. I just again, I you know, it's an it's a it's a petty thing, and it's not really. It doesn't matter in any tangible, physical, important way, but. Alabama fans will be salty that Aiden Hutchinson got more attention than Will Anderson this year, especially since Will Anderson beat him in every, pretty much every statistical category. Um, so it's just, it's tough, but whatever. You know, you can't send two Bama players to the Heisman ceremony. I get it. Whatever. Um, but uh, yeah, man, it, it feels good. It's it's nice. It's it's also one of those things where any Alabama fan will tell you that it's nice, but. You know, a lot of people have already moved on, you know, within 48 hours, you know, celebrate Bryce, you know, uh, respect his greatness. But at the same time, it's all eyes focused on, uh, you know, um, you know, Cincinnati and, 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 and the college football playoff and making sure that, you know, uh, they uh, they you, you take care of business there because it's it's not that anyone's nervous about Cincinnati, but. Dude, we've uh we've overlooked teams before, and uh, you just you you don't want to do that. And I don't think Bryce or or that team will. So, um, but but you never know. Uh, and you know, in terms of the picks for the college football playoff, as well as all the picks for the bowl games, I will say people need to stay tuned in for uh, the next episode, in which we'll we'll do uh, college bowl pick 'em, uh, and we can probably go ahead and do the college football playoff games as well. Um, 
uh, during uh, during that episode if we most want. De- oh, most definitely. It, it's going to be a lot of fun. Definitely stay tuned for that one as well. Um, Evan, any final thoughts on the on, – uh, the, it's really actually our college football talk because there wasn't any games to talk about, though. So as long as you're good to roll here, we can kind of move well, on. Well, there is one college football thing I want to talk about. Oh, yeah, of course, of course. The Montana State Bobcats. Oh, yeah! To Texas and absolutely handed that ass – to Sam Houston. Open up a can of whoop ass. You know, a game that I don't think a lot of people gave Montana State a chance. Um, and how about that know, boy Tommy Malott from Pan America, baby? Special, it's even more special when Tommy Malott is the one out there, you know, kind of orchestrating it. My man had, you know, a, a passing, receiving, and a rushing touchdown in that game. Uh, it's it's very cool, man. It's very cool. He's a freshman. You know, for for. For yeah, I mean, you know, for our Montana listeners, they know who we're talking about. But for everyone else, Tommy Malott was a quarterback at Butte High School when me and Dom were there, and and uh, watching Tommy play was a very special experience. I mean, he's an extremely talented young individual, and but but what's more special is that coming into his career at Montana State, there were a lot of talk of well, he probably won't play quarterback. You know, he'll probably move to safety or he'll probably right. move to to somewhere else because he just doesn't quite have the height or maybe the you know the the, the prowess to be an NFL or to be a starting quarterback at that level. And this man is now a freshman out there dealing, out there winning huge games for the Bobcats. And now they're in, I mean, they, they you know, they kind of took down in a way, I mean, don't be wrong, you know, it's still going to be a very long road uh, to. Uh, but the to, biggest contender, the defending, the defending FCS national champion they just took out. I, yeah, I mean, man, that's significant. So, uh, um, and, so and, now, and I really you know, got to I mean, credit, I, I credit a lot of that to the fact that I think I remember all that talk with Tommy about going to safety was because that is when Choate was still the coach and, you know, being a defensive guy. And I think that's where Choate saw more value on him. But Brenton Vigeon, the new coach, uh, I as just, you know, I haven't I've read into anything on this, but apparently he must have just saw the value at a, a guy like Tommy to add him to a room. And honestly, maybe maybe Matt McKay entering the transfer portal for Montana State turned out to be the best thing that could have happened for that football team. No question. I also want to uh, throw some uh, respect on uh, Lance McCutcheon's name. Um, that dude has just been a force uh, this year after kind of being an afterthought uh, the past two seasons, uh, or the past two seasons that he played uh, uh, for Montana State. And um, that, I mean, there might be. Uh, I don't know. There might be some some NFL looks for uh, for the six three uh, receiver out of uh, out of Bozeman, Montana. So we'll see. Uh, but but yeah, we're 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 Bobcats fans for the uh, rest of the way. You know, respect to the Grizz. That was a tough loss. You know, I mean, that was a tough ask of that Grizz yeah, team. It's uh, James Madison. But hey, uh, the know. good thing is is that James Madison and North Dakota State have to go beat up on each other. Montana State has to play an unseeded South Dakota State Jackrabbits team to get into the championship. So. By all means, by yeah, all means. So, so uh, you know, uh, we're 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 Bobcat fans uh, today, and for the next you know two weeks, three weeks, um, you know, uh, hoping uh, Tommy can continue to just be you know uh, 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 the the kind of lightning in a bottle that he's been for that offense the past two games. So, um, oh, we also yeah. we probably should give a quick shout out um, to Nate. I'm a, I always pull for Navy. Navy beat Army. That was actually yeah, the only college football a, game, actually. That was actually. an upset in the under hit for the 16th straight year. Congrats to 
all involved in that regard. I um, hate I hate hearing dropping. He's dropping back the pass. If I hear that in an Army Navy game, I'm pissed off. Uh uh-uh, uh, I don't want that. I don't want that at all. I want New England Patriots offense on both sides. That's fair. I don't blame you one bit, Dom. Uh, that's uh, I. But but you know, I mean, it was it was you know a, a relatively low scoring game, but one that was also fairly exciting. I mean, it was uh, you know it opened up with like two touchdowns right away, and then you know it kind of slowed down, but there were still big big defensive plays. And Army Navy man, I mean, it's uh, it's 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 always. I mean, it's always just uh, a lot of fun to watch and and. You know, not to be that guy, but as someone who has gone to an Army-Navy game, it is, I mean, if you like football at all, I mean, to me, that is kind of like the game you have to go to. Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, there's a few other college football games, like as in like, you know, Alabama-Auburn or the game, you know, or, or, you know, uh, know, Ohio State-Michigan, whatever. But Army Navy is, you know, it's uh, it's something, it's something different for sure, and and it's, uh, it was special again this year, so that was fun. you know, Dom, I know it hasn't been a lot of good news, uh, you know, vis-a-vis Buffalo Bills. Um, or, you know, I don't know if you saw Brian Kelly's dance moves last night. Oh, my – uh, yeah, actually, just side Evan. <laughs> oh, my God, dog. This I, guy, yeah, this is I'm like, listen, guys. listen, I, I'm, 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 all, I'm still I'm, – I'm a Kel- – I'm warming up to Kelly. I'm, I'm okay with it. You know, I'm still, you know, at the tail end of getting over, you know, losing, losing my beloved coach uh, Brian Kelly is going to do everything in his power to really make me regret that because that was fucking gross, dog. That was so gross and cr- it was so cringy. Oh god, it just even I don't even want to watch the video anymore. It was so cringy, dude. I hated I hated every second of that video. I That's good for uh... him. He's tr- hey, he's trying though, which I'll give him credit. He's trying to to bring in this 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 swagger and this southern accent, he's giving it an effort, which I can't fault him for because at least he gives a damn, right? He should after the amount of money he's getting paid. But nonetheless, though, that hurt. That hurt. Ugh, ugh. Mm. I'm sorry. Yeah, so, go back. You uh, go back to your point, but I had to say that was gross. That was no, gross. It, it it was gross, and I uh, it's it's very very funny too. So um, it came yeah. at like Evan. If Nick Saban did that, do you, like what what would you have said? Like not well, that not that Nick's, he ever would. The, here's, but like, the, here's the thing: is that Nick Saban does like show off his uh, you know, in this case, I would almost call it whiteness. Um, you know, Nick Saban does that too. But here's the thing, homie, is that Nick Saban has won six national titles, so it doesn't matter. Like, yeah, no, he. Well, it's true. He can do. He can do whatever the fuck he wants. That's a very, Nick that's Saban a very good counterpoint. It's, it's like Brady. Brady, Tom Brady does some cringy stuff. Bill Belichick does some cringy stuff, but it doesn't matter because mm-hmm. they're fucking you know dominant. They're powerhouses. They're giants. Um. So yeah, there's that. Um. And then uh, on top of that. Uh, uh, you know, or, or conversely is better is the better transition here mm-hmm. to the LSU to the Buffalo Bills is that you know the Lakers are fifteen and thirteen, but LeBron is back and he's been a force uh, since he's returned to your Los Angeles Lakers, Tom. Yeah, I, uh, I, I've always kind of said that, and actually, I don't agree with Stephen A. Smith a lot, Evan. I'm really not the biggest Stephen A. guy, but uh, he said it, I, I think, last week during a, a first take, uh, whatever show he's on, is that when LeBron comes back healthy, it, it, it was his responsibility to turn the, the Lakers around and, and, and get them back. And I actually agree. I agreed with Stephen A. Uh, you know, and it's tough because you don't want to, you don't want to assume that LeBron has to be the guy when you throw, uh, you know. 
Russell Westbrook and Anthony Davis on the same team. But really, though, I, you can't. You, this is LeBron's team, and you have to have him go out there and perform the way he has. And you know what? Give me a pick. I think LeBron's pissed. I think LeBron is, is in that very 2020 mode where he just wants some respect sprinkled on his name a little bit more. Not that he doesn't get it anyways, but that's just LeBron just feeling like for some reason he's disrespected. Nonetheless, I love it though because he's giving us the exact LeBron that's helping pull the Lakers kind of out of the ashes right now and is playing very good basketball. Because I, I, I go back to the good win Friday over Oklahoma City. Now that might not seem like a good win in retrospect because the Thunder aren't great, but I go back to late October when... The, the uh, Lakers lost their first matchup to the Thunder, and then they proceeded to lose their second matchup to the Thunder in early November. And the Thunder are an awful team, so it was finally great to see they're done with this bullshit, losing the bad teams. They go and be on a, an, an improved Orlando team. The next stretch of games will be the big test, Dev. You have three road games, Dallas, Minnesota, then at Chicago. So three road games right there. Then you come back home right before Christmas for Phoenix, San Antonio, and then you have the Brooklyn Nets on Christmas Day. So, I mean, you have a gauntlet of six games coming up here. So that'll be the big determining factor. But yes, having LeBron playing the way he's supposed to be, playing as an MVP caliber player that he is, and doing it at this age too always still blows my mind. But uh, he was the he was the points, rebound, and assist leader in that game uh, in the win last night against Orlando, and that is what makes me feel good that the Lakers are finally maybe turned a corner. Because goddamn, do we need to? Because it's not going to get easier these next six games. So. Thumbs up. Thumbs up for the Lakers. I'm happy. You're right. That is that is the one shred of happiness I do get to kind of relish in as I wake up on this Monday. So, yeah, I mean, there's a, there's a reason for optimism, and I think they can go, like, 500 through that stretch. I mean, the thing that, you know, the past two games, right, they, they you know, they, they uh, the, the, they, it, it hasn't necessarily been, you know, great competition between the Thunder and the Magic, right? But, but LeBron goes for 30 in both games, 30-plus in both games, triple-double in the last one. You know, I feel like, to me, if I'm a Lakers fan, I'm like, okay, Russ, I love you. You know, I know you're talented. A- AD, I, you know, you're you're a bit beat up right now, too. Just be good come late part of the season. Let's go make sure LeBron gets late 20s, early 30s every game, and I bet we have a pretty good record at the end of the year. I mean, mm-hmm. that's that's I mean, as long as that's happening, I don't see them losing a ton of games. But But I know that, you know, finding the balance is easier said than done. Right. Yeah, it, it's – it's something there where you still feel like you have to find the mesh and maybe the mesh is starting to come by because I I think quite frankly for that mesh to work Evan I think LeBron has to and and, and I don't really care if AD and Russ don't like it but that's what they should expect when you're on the same team as LeBron James LeBron needs to take the the the, the leader role that needs to be LeBron needs to be the guy who gets touches all the time, who gets who gets the last second shots, who who the game ends up falling into his hands. AD and Russ get to play complementary roles. That's where I think the the, the Lakers are going to be at the best. You can't 
you can't go in there trying to think that LeBron, Russ, and AD are all going to get to share the same spotlight. Somebody has to take control. And if that's LeBron, that's the best recipe for success there. And, and I, I think AD and Russ are, and even Melo are going to find success if they can learn just to merge into those roles of kind of the complementary style to LeBron. And I think they're not only going to find more success individually, but as a team, the Lakers are going to be better off. You, 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 have to, you have to have LeBron James be the center point. And I know there's going to be games where he's going to need to take a rest. And that's where you get your help. That's where AD and Russ and everybody else steps up. But for one, he's playing, and especially these big games. I think of Brooklyn at Chicago, the home game against Phoenix. LeBron has to be the center point there. He has to be the guy that that turns the game and changes it into the way that they need to go win. Yeah, man. And, uh, you know, I mean, uh, it's it's, it's also just we're we're hitting that point where – Everyone that we thought was like, are they actually good or whatever? Like they jumped out to these impressive records. You know, everyone's kind of falling back to the to center face. You know, the Wizards are mm-hmm. after their insane start are fifteen and twelve. I mean, even the the Heat and the Bulls are seventeen and ten. I should I should have taken a screenshot of the Wizards at the top of the East. I fucking admit, I should have done that. Yeah. That's it's on a us. special time. I mean, the Suns and the Nets are and the Warriors are kind of your three teams so far this year that you're like, holy shit! Like those teams are, you know, like going to be extremely difficult uh, to deal with. And if I was a Lakers fan, I mean, that's kind of where I would be like concerned. Is just like I'm like, you know, I mean, again, I I I would have a hard time picking against LeBron in a like seven game series against the uh, the Warriors, but but at the same time, I mean, the way the Warriors and Suns are playing right now is pretty insane. Yeah, they're just they're just in a, they're in a different class right now. But I think as I'm looking at the standings, the Lakers sitting six, so the eight off the season ended today. Just a hypothetical. That sixth spot is important. I bring it up because it doesn't you don't have to play in that little like the the seven through ten uh, play in games or whatever like they did last year. You're a game back of the Clippers, excuse me, half a game back of the Clippers, a game and a half back of Memphis. I I think by the end of that that six-game stretch, if the Lakers can nuzzle their way into the four spot, jump Memphis and maybe sit, you know, three three games back of Utah for the third spot, that's good. I'm, I'm very much going to be content and the Lakers are right where they want to be. And that means they're projecting in the right way. It's Rome isn't built in a day, and quite frankly, F, even if the Lakers go on some magical run, the Suns and the Warriors and the Jazz are, are going to be teams, especially the, the Suns and Warriors, like you mentioned, are just teams that are playing in a different class of their own right now. I, I think it's unrealistic right now to expect the Lakers to have to come back into the two or the one spot and, and retake the throne. Possible, but I think it's unrealistic at this point. But the Lakers can very much find a lot of success in getting into the four and maybe even trying to make a run for the three spot. You get there, you're in business, and you feel very... And if that happens, that means shit is going well in in Los Angeles. And it's like you said, when the playoffs start way, way down the road, a few months from now... A three-seeded, four-seeded Los Angeles Lakers with a team who who has figured this out finally... Uh, I wouldn't want to play him. Wouldn't want to play him. Wouldn't be me. Wouldn't want to be me. I wouldn't either. Um, and yeah, I mean, and with the East, I mean, the Bucks are, you know, they're steady at eighteen and ten. But, but again, I mean, the Nets are. The Nets don't have Kyrie, and there's now reports coming out that Kyrie might end up playing this season, which is like, I mean, if they are able to get Kyrie in the mix, yeah. and not really slow down. They're gonna be. They're gonna walk. 
to the Eastern Conference Finals, I think. So yeah, I do. I do actually like that the, the Bulls are still hanging tough and like that. You know, like the Wizards fizzled, but the Bulls are still playing good basketball and didn't fizzle out. Uh, I think you know they've lost. They've lost their last two, which is yeah, which is not great, obviously. But I do like the fact that basketball I think is better because the Bulls are doing good. Um, the Knicks too, though. Have damn, that was fun while it lasted. I guess because what a fucking drop off that turned into. Yeah, three and seven out of their last ten. I think, you know, it's not obviously over for them. You know, you go peel off four wins in a row, you're back above 500. And oh, you're, for sure, for sure. But but at the same time, definitely uh, a little bit reason the, for concern. It's kind of the, the Tibbs effect. Um, I love Thibodeau, but but he kind of does this, like, where he where he injects new life into a team, and, and they have uh, initial success, but he seems to have had a hard time maintaining it over the course of his career. Um, we'll see, though. I mean, like I said, it's so mad, mad early, but it's funny how, you know, we got through one chapter, and, you know, it, it you know, you had the Wizards at the top, you had, you know, uh, you, you know, the Bulls at the top with them, and then now it's like, oh, okay, let's, you know, we're not even, we're not even to the halfway point of the season, and we're already kind of like okay yeah wait a second when this is let's get everybody back in their you know respectful places mm-hmm. um yeah uh, uh also just i don't want to talk too much about it because i don't want to be that guy but uh alabama college basketball beat houston uh on saturday <laughs> so back-to-back wins over final four teams that uh from last season that houston uh, win was a, bu- a buzzer beater or a last second shot if i if i remember so, correctly so jd davison uh gets the finish on the one end of the court and then houston takes the shot gets the board puts it up again misses gets the board puts it up again on that last shot J.D. Davison swats it as it's coming away from the rim. I don't think there's any way in hell that ball is going in, but it was close. It was close. They review. They don't. They can't review it. Uh, they don't call goaltending. If they call goaltending, it would have been a game-winning goaltending for Houston. Uh, mm. oh, okay, gotcha. So they're, they're shrouded in a little bit of uh, in, in a little bit of um, uh, controversy. I mean, that's just Alabama athletics right there at its finest. Yeah, so uh, it's, uh, it's you know, and the game was played in Tuscaloosa, so I understand. Uh, you know, Kelvin Sampson was extremely pissed. Nate Oates, being the troll that he is that I adore, uh, stuck his hand out for a handshake uh, after Kelvin Sampson, like, walked off to yell at the ref and then just held it for, like, I don't know, like, a minute, like, just stood there with his hand out, uh, not moving. <laughs> I mean, he is such a dickhead, but he's amazing. Uh, yeah, I love uh, he, he's, a lot. And, yeah, he's going to be amazing when he's wearing orange and blue. He's a new head coach at Syracuse in two years sure, from now. Sure, Maryland fans are convinced. Uh, you can go on Twitter and see this or, or elsewhere. That Nate but Oates Maryland, is going to go to Maryland? Yes. Maryland fans are very convinced that they can, like, draw away, like, a lot of, like, big-time coaches. And I'm like, don't get me wrong, Maryland has, like, a proud basketball program, but not, like, a prestigious, Yeah, shut that, um, shut that ass up. Yeah, like, I've never, like, don't be wrong, Maryland is famous for having, like, a passionate... Bro, that's fan there, base, I, I'm actually but, looking at a list right now, this list with, like, a bunch, it has Kelvin Sampson on that list, too, like... Like, guys that are going to the Final Four, guys that are getting paid, like, insane amounts to coach at Alabama are, like, and, and, are, and is having immense success at Alabama are going to dip for, you know, Maryland. Um, you know, I, I don't know. But, you know, whatever. Um, so, it's uh, it's a good time. Is the It's a good time to be 
a Alabama fan. It's 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 weird. Uh, it feels like, uh, like, you know, it feels weird to watch Alabama be good at basketball at the same time as football. But this is the 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 life I'm living right now, and I'm yeah. not complaining. Yeah, I mean, it's a team coming up. What well, you guys, the, you guys were a two seed in the NCAA tournament last year. So I, as it's expected, it's uh, it's a good, it's a quality basketball team. And like I said, I'm a big fan of Nate Oates. And maybe one day when he becomes when Jim Beheim retires, he's going to look great as a Syracuse basketball head coach. I'm going to manifest that. Go get our assistance. You can have one of those uh, Mm -hmm. instead. No, thank Um, you. Dom, is there any topics I'm forgetting about? Is there any? Uh, so we we just needed to give a quick shout out in terms because we talked so much about Montana, which we probably could have done after talking Montana State football. But uh, Helena 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 Montana's finest, the pride of Helena Montana, Sugar Sean O'Malley, uh, with a a first round uh, KO TKO over. Uh, his his opponent in UFC 269, Giggity, uh, it was awesome. Sugar Sean is all the way back, in case you didn't know that. Uh, Rowland Paiva, uh, first-round TKO, just absolutely slaughtered him. Ref stopped the fight. Uh, Paiva wanted all that smoke, was talking bad shit about O'Malley, and O'Malley was like, I'm going to shut that ass up, and he did. And that's why I love Sugar Sean, which is great because now – after that really setback loss where his ankle kind of gave out, I think we're going to start to see Sugar Sean. This is his second straight uh, uh, main card fight. It's only going to get better from here. And Sugar Sean's doing all the right things. Super pumped about that. Uh, Evan, for those who didn't get to – I didn't really get to watch much of 269 anyways to begin with, but I did get to see highlights of Juliana Pena uh, upset over Amanda Nunes, the second largest – Upset in women's MMA UFC history, only behind Holly Holmes' upset of of uh, uh, Ronda Rousey, and sadly, folks, as uh, you know, a lot of fans were really pulling for Dustin Poirier to go beat Charles, Charles Oliveira, uh, and Dustin Poirier looked good in those first two rounds, but Oliveira got the best of it late in that late in that third round, um, just a few seconds in. Oliveira got onto Poirier's back and put him in Evan, probably the nastiest, the nastiest rear naked choke. Imagine, you ever see those videos of like a sloth, like hugging to the back of like a zookeeper? So that was, Charles Oliveira was a sloth. Like he was just clinged on like Dora's backpack and the the rear naked chokehold he put Dustin Poirier in. I don't know how Poirier even remained conscious long enough to fight it the way he did. It was he had full elbow pinned on pinned to his arm. It was a nasty nasty rear naked choke. So Charles Oliveira uh, retains his his title uh, and you know he's he's a guy who's going to be very very hard to beat. Just kind kind of like a Kamari Usman in, in the upper class as well. But that was really it there. So mostly just wanted to give a shout out to Sugar Sean and UFC 269. Absolutely delivered. And uh, go back, watch the highlights like me if you didn't get to watch it live because it's definitely worth it. It's good stuff. It was a good sports weekend, you know? Good sports weekend. I, I loved it. And this is that time of the year, and it's only going to get better because, like I said, we have coming up our college football bowl and, and playoff selections, NFL, and then, shit, man, we're, we're good to talk about NBA on Christmas Day, too. I mean, the Christmas Day slate in the NBA is always awesome to talk about. So lots and lots that we're going to get to look forward to in the coming episodes. Yeah, dude. I mean, it's uh, it's as we've kind of said a bunch uh, so far. It, it's uh, it, it's a it's a cycle that never ends, and um, 
it's it's you know maybe this is the uh you know this past spring was the the year that i got in the got back into baseball right maybe this is the year that i fully commit to ufc and uh and you know finally following it and you know from more than just a hey do me and my buddies want to get drunk uh you know every other <laughs> saturday and and watch uh, somebody get their teeth knocked down their throat because uh, it is fun in that way, but it's also, I mean, I'm slowly starting to appreciate the beauty of the sport, I guess, and it's just taken me a little bit. Um, it, I, I weirdly give Sugar Shane, uh, Sugar Sean some some credit there. I mean, I that was being in Montana, Dom can attest, being in Montana during Sean O'Malley's uh, come up was kind of a, a special experience, you know. I mean, watching, you know, that state, how it works, I mean, not to get too gushy, but how that state works is that if anyone from Montana succeeds, it's such a underpopulated place that everyone either has some type of connection or something and everyone just throws their support behind it and uh, yeah. it's 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 pretty special in that way. So one of the uh, coolest memories I actually remember of a quick Sugar Sean story was it was the 2018 a girls basketball double uh, A championship game that was played at the Butte Civic Center and uh, I had a, a friend of mine that was sitting behind the media row and I was cutting up some highlights from the previous game and she tapped me on the shoulder and she goes hey Sugar Sean O'Malley's here and I and I honestly I, I didn't even know who he was at the time because he was really he was very much coming Just up starting it, yeah and, and, but he's a Montana legend so I like looked him up on on Twitter or I, or I googled him and found him I'm like oh okay it's a UFC fighter so I went to Richie Melby who at the time was the sports director uh, overall of MTM and I looked down to him at the table I said hey so I want to let you know, and I pointed over there. He was wearing a hoodie. He didn't have the hair or anything, so he's very incognito. I was like, hey, Sugar Sean O'Malley's over there. And he, and he like, stopped in this track. He goes, what? And he goes, yeah. I'm like, yeah, Sugar Sean O'Malley's over there. Within minutes, you know, Richie's over there grabbing the interview, and then we had a full-on story the next day with Sugar Sean O'Malley, who was there watching his sister play basketball. But as soon as Richie did that, though, man, Sean, <laughs> I felt bad. Sugar Sean was kind of mobbed with people that were coming up, asking for autographs and talking to him. And uh, but yeah, you're right though. I mean, if you if you're a Montana born guy and you're a guy from who has done well for the community of Montana, you're always going to have that back support, and that's always evident. So it's it's always it's always very much fun from afar. Now we both get to share that perspective and get to pull for a guy like Sugar Sean, who really has the whole pulse of the entire state of Montana behind him. It's uh it's nuts, and uh, on not to mention too that. You know, uh, on top of that, that, you know, uh, it, it seems like we're we're still in for, uh, you know, a very eventful career. You know, I mean, if it still feels like we're just getting started with Sean. So I'm um, excited to see where he goes. The tip uh, of the iceberg, Evan. Um, I think that just about wraps it up here, Ev. Where can they – so we have a lot of stuff coming up in the next, you know, because there's Christmas coming up, vacations. I'm going to go home, but we're going to be able to get, pump out some content. So a lot of updates, Evan. Where can they go to find out and keep up to date with the latest from Down and Out? Uh, they can go to twitter.com. If uh, you have the internet, I don't know if you've heard about the internet, but it's a uh, a wonderful new invention that allows you to connect with people all over the world, including our podcast. Um, and on the website, twitter.com, on the internet, uh, you can uh, find us at D-O-W-N-A-N-D-O-U-T-P-O-D-C-A-S-T. That spells Down and Out Podcast. 
Uh, you can go on there and we'll tweet out episode links. We'll tweet about some other dumb shit sometimes. Um, like I said, I'm, I'm kind of switching up jobs now, so that's going to open up some freedom in that regard, I think. Uh, I'm going to have less excuses uh, for not being active on there. So uh, look forward to that. And then... Um, yeah, uh, do that, and then while you're doing that, also use the internet to go on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening this to. They've got a rating system. Please give us uh, five stars. Please give us a positive review. Um, it uh, really, really rocks. Um, it's it, it helps one. It makes us look good, which is you know great. But then two, you know when when we're trying to expand it, when we're trying to take that next step, you mm-hmm. know, that that's the stuff we need to be able to show and say, look, people like this. Um, and and uh, so so it's it's very much appreciated. Absolutely is, folks. So please do us a favor. Go follow us on Twitter, interact with us, talk about things where you can discuss what we talked about in the show, give us things you want to hear more on in future shows, five-star ratings as always, and as always, too, go show some love to JD Masters and Buddha, our intro-outro music you're about to hear, Man in the Mirror, they both got in on that, they're awesome, Buddha, sick with the lyrics, JD, awesome with the, with the, with the beats, you can go find them on Google, Apple, SoundCloud, YouTube, anywhere you stream our podcast, anywhere you stream your music, you can find them. They're on social media as well, both on Instagram. Go give them some love. Evan, I think that just about wraps it up for me. Is there any parting words you need to give to the people? Uh, no, uh, just uh, an emphatic roll tide because that's like the only joy in the sports universe right now for me. So uh, uh, go Bama, uh, uh, Bryce Young's the god, and uh, RMFT. And I have nothing. I have nothing of substance to add while I wallow away on my Monday. Folks, it's been fun. It's been real. It's been down and out. And until next time, Ariba Derchi. Later. really catch a switch where I went from rock vibe like a fish. Assist like white chocolate handing out a dish. If the devil shows up, then my soul he does wish. I might accept the offer because I want to grind like cause and give the trophies to my mama. Make him sweat like a sauna. Because act like I can't, then I'm going to spit like a lot. I'ma take your girlfriend out and give a Balenciaga So check me out, feel me up and watch me bounce Cause the new man in the mirror is looking like a mouse Switch places, change faces, now Buddha runs a house Trust hip-hop more than bitches, so I'ma take her as a spouse Or at least a concubine If in front of my God feel divine I'ma grab it like a shield and I'ma make it shine Cause when I'm polished, I'll abolish if you cross the line That's how I am feeling Keep growing like a giant through the ceiling man in the mirror doubled up now you all the fuck we go again but when we stop blazing boom boom pow pow what you gonna do now especially when i bring the energy like it's a pow wow besides find a man page your face cause you a damn clown look around only one that isn't on my wagon now the name is buddha bitch damn, uh look around only one that isn't on my wagon now <laughs>